Welcome back, me sweet listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The Me Sweet podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C suites lead the companies we most admire. The C suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, is everything running smoothly in our day-to-day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. I'm really excited about today's episode of The Me Suite because many listeners have been asking to hear about innovation. And today I have Shubber Ali joining. He is a global innovation lead and often called an innovation ninja. He has built global innovation programs for leading companies such as Salesforce and Accenture. He is a teacher of innovation management, adjunct faculty at the Georgetown Executive MBA program. He is also a co-CEO of a venture-backed software company, has been in his past. He's a husband, a father of twins, boy and girl, and I think a terrific person to riff on the topic of innovation. Welcome, Shubber Ali. I am happy to be here, Donna. Thanks for having me. I did miss in your introduction a really cool factoid, which is that you're an aerospace junkie and that Buzz Aldrin was once one of your clients. That is true, and I still have his number in my iPhone. That's pretty cool. All right, so you win the cool award. So let's let's start with core values. I always like to start there. Could you share those with us and how they generally direct decisions in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and thanks for asking. It's a great question. I think there are three values, really, that um, have always shaped what it is that I do in everything, in every every aspect, not just my job. But the first one is, and so for those listening to this podcast, I want to say thank you for your time, because to me, the single most important thing we have a value, in fact, I would say the only thing we have a value is our time and how uh-huh. we choose to use it. Because you, you, can, you can make money, you can lose money, you can make money again. Um, there are lots of things you can do but you can never buy a second of time back. Mm. And so it's really important to decide what you spend it on. And, you know, I love the, the old uh, Roman proverb, a man who chases two rabbits catches none. You have to kind of therefore be focused on what you're doing because if you try to do too many things, it's very hard to get anything done. Love it. Along with that, and kind of a corollary in some ways is don't care what other people think. So I was really fortunate that my freshman year of, of college, uh, guest lecturer for my freshman physics class was Richard Feynman. And uh, he wrote a number of books, very, very uh, large in life character, Nobel Prize winning physicist. And one of the things he, and the title of his book, which always stuck with me was, why do you care what other people think? Uh, right. And, and you shouldn't because uh-huh. people spend too much time being invested in what other people think, what their outside perception is of them. Mm-hmm. And they end up not being genuine to themselves about what it is they do and mm-hmm. what they want to do. And then they end up wasting their time, which goes back to the first one. And the last one, which, which I think is, you know, for me, which drives everything I do and, and kind of my career path, which is, you know, meandered over, over many different things, was never stop asking questions and never stop learning. And if you're able to do that, then um, that is at the heart of being an innovator. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I like the way you've articulated them, too. They're almost all individually little stories. Yeah, they, and then they are. And life really is about stories. In uh-huh. fact, it's funny because we as a species are a storytelling species, but we've lost of that and mm-hmm. gotten tied up in 
in a lot of the things now that actually disconnect us from what makes us human. So let's bring that home. Let's talk about innovation mindset. Let's start with the basics. What is innovation? All right. So innovation, this is, this is one of the biggest challenges that, that uh, the word is so widely used, and yet people don't even actually agree on what it is. Mm-hmm. But for instance, it's used as a noun, a verb, an adverb, an adjective, and God knows how many other you know, <laughs> parts of speech. And yet people think they're saying the same thing, and uh-huh. which is why we get divergent outcomes. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a very simple example is take the word blue, right? The color blue. Mm-hmm. I can say the color blue. And if everybody listens to this podcast, thinks about the color blue, I guarantee that almost all of us are thinking about a different shade of blue. And yet we all think we're talking about the same thing. Mm. Now you take a word like innovation, which is much more abstract. And some people think it's about ideation. Some people think it's about, you know, uh, technology, which is another huge mistake. Technology is not necessary at all for innovation. Um, so we, we go through all these misunderstandings of what it's about. And to me, it's really simply put, it's a new way of doing things that unlocks of value. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be new to the world. It could be new to your business. It could be new to your industry. It can be new to you personally, but it's about value. And if it unlocks value for you, which can be measured in a number of different ways, then it's innovative. And if it doesn't, then it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Now there's, there's that continuum of, is it incremental innovation or is it disruptive? These are all labels we like to put on things, but they're, they're, they're adjectives modifying a word that nobody understands. So it really doesn't mean anything. Then you get to the issue of the chief innovation officer okay. and the, the role and the mindset. So one of the, the, the challenges is that organizations tend to appoint a chief innovation officer because the CEO will come up and say, he, she or he will say, you know, we will be more innovative. They make this proclamation to uh-huh. Wall Street, probably usually because of bad earnings or some other thing, and or they're coming in as a new CEO. So they want to make their mark. So they say, we're going to be more innovative. Uh-huh. But then they don't actually change any of the metrics of their direct lieutenants. Yeah, And they, all you have to do is look at that behavior to realize that nothing's going to change because, you know, we, we optimize to the game that we're playing, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so in a corporation, all the people who are running business units, the, the P&L leads and the rest are optimizing their own performance and the, toward the things they're rewarded for. If those metrics aren't changed on them and then someone says, we're going to be more innovative, they're looking at that going, that sounds great, but I'm going to keep doing exactly what I do because this is what I do, yes. right? And so- there's your first disconnect is if the CEO doesn't actually change, and that's where culture and leadership really become important, doesn't change it, it doesn't matter. Then you get somebody put in the role of chief innovation officer. Half of them think their job is to be Steve Jobs, and the other <laughs> half think their job is just to run the process. Uh-huh. And they're both wrong and they're both right. And this is part of the issues because if you don't know what innovation is and what you want it to deliver for your organization, then you don't know what kind of person you're putting in. And also, you don't know what kind of function you're creating. And for most organizations, it's, it's more of a uh, check-the-box exercise. They'll create a role. They'll fund a little department with a few million bucks, maybe 10 or 15. They might even set up a little lab in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. but then they won't actually do anything because it's not connected to the business. And so that's why innovation tends to fail in most places. Right. Yeah, and I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. So from the mindset point of view, which is a different thing, mm-hmm. it's about, going back to what I said before, it's about asking the question. It's about focusing on the right problem to solve. And so there's the great quote we all, I think probably all know it, the Henry Ford said, you know, if I'd asked my customers what they would have wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Uh-huh. The, the, the issue I have with that is it's the wrong question. Mm. And too often we focus on what we think is the problem and then we keep solving the problem over and over again because the question he should have asked was, 
what are you trying to do with your horse? And if the person said, I need to go from New York to Washington, D.C. in five hours, then the answer would be, there is not a horse on this planet that can do that for you. However, maybe I can build a machine that can meet that need. Uh, And then you get to a vehicle, right? But if you start with literally asking the customer what they want and they only know the context of horses, they're going to tell you the context of horses. Mm -hmm. So then there's, there's plenty of examples of great innovations that start with, deeply asking why. And some of them require no new technology whatsoever. I mean, one of my favorite examples is a company. uh, So the the example is a head of lettuce. So you go to the store, you buy a head of lettuce. This is the way I used to buy it. You buy a head of lettuce. It costs 70 cents. You know, it's a commodity. I'd buy it. I'd stick it in the crisper. Two weeks later, I'd take it out of the crisper. I'd throw it away. I'd grab a sponge. I'd clean out the crisper and I go buy another one. What happened there? (laughs) Well, what happened was, I wanted to eat a salad, but that's not actually what I wanted. I wanted to eat a salad because I wanted to eat more healthily. Mm -hmm. However, I didn't actually want to make the salad because making a salad is a bit of a pain. Yes. Because you have to wash the lettuce, you have to chop the lettuce, you have to do all that work. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. So while my aspiration was to be a healthier eater, the reality was I was happy to just throw away an 80 cent commodity because it was just a commodity. Right. So along comes a little company back in the late 80s and says, the real problem is, People either are lazy or they don't have time or they just don't like the inconvenience. So what we're going to do is we're going to wash and chop their lettuce for them and put it in a plastic bag and sell it to them for basically seven to 10 times the price of the commodity. Yeah. And you know what? Fresh Express created a $7 billion industry that does nothing more than wash and chop your lettuce for you. Wow. There's no blockchain in that bag, no AI, none of that. It's not technology at all. It's just Mm -hmm. understanding a real problem and solving it in a new way that unlocks value for the consumer and for the company. And that's innovation, right? Yeah. So there's a quote from, and some people say Einstein said it. Some people said he didn't. I don't really care. I think the quote is fantastic, which is if you have an hour to solve a problem, spend 55 minutes defining it and five minutes solving it. Ah. And what we tend to do in real life is we spend about eight minutes in, especially in the consulting world. Mm -hmm. Like I know your problem. I've got a solution for it. I can sell it to you tomorrow. And that's usually the wrong solution. How do we bring that to the MeSuite premise? Why do we need innovation in the way we lead our own personal lives? I think that it's actually pretty simple because what people find is they always tend to run into problems and, and I'm going to blank on who said this, but essentially solving the problem, you can't solve the problem with the same means that got you, the same thinking that got you to that problem. Mm-hmm. So what it requires is a different way of thinking, which often requires understanding deeply what the real problem is. So mm-hmm. if, if you focus on the symptom and not the root cause, you'll be trying to fix the symptom for the rest of your life. If you focus on the root cause, this is how you can change behaviors and ultimately have a, a better personal outcome. Innovation and invention are not the same thing. Invention is hard. Innovation is actually easy when you know the problem to solve and you look at all the inventions that already exist and pick one and apply it. Like what's the thing is, I need more quality time with my, with my wife or with my family or... I want to stay better in touch with my friends. Okay, well, what are the tools I can use that will unlock that value for me because I value the time I spend talking to my friends? Well, it might be WhatsApp. It might be, you know, a monthly poker game. None mm-hmm. of these things are new inventions to me. Right. They exist. It's just make it happen. Yeah. I know years ago, my father was sick. My parents lived in a different city and I was on the road a lot with work. And I found that I wanted to touch base with him every day. And so I would call him. 
But I also could tell by the tone of his voice that he maybe was putting up a front, that he didn't feel so good, but he would tell me he was okay. And I remember thinking if I could only see his eyes, because if I could see your eyes, I would know how you're really feeling today. Yep. And so I started, I taught my parents how to use FaceTime. And then instead of having my nightly check-in call with him, we had the nightly check-in video. And then I was able to see his eyes. And then I was able to tell when he told me he was feeling okay today, was it really true? Yeah, and then you can get past that. Yeah. Because we spend too much time, again, going back to my first two principles. Uh Time is the only thing that has a value. Yeah. And what do you care what other people think? If we're actually genuine, Uh uh-huh. We'll get that back as well. So if you say, look, I only have so much time on a phone call or video call with you. Uh-huh. Let's dispense with all the, you know, the pleasantries, so to speak, with people that you actually care about and get right to the conversation. Yeah. And if you're not having good days, I'm not having a good day and say why, right? Because, you know, it's yeah. not that, and this goes back to people don't need you to solve their problem necessarily. They uh-huh. just want you to listen, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's a hugely important thing because it's, it's like we almost have this genetic switch. We have to solve a problem whenever we see it. <laughs> yes. And I've learned over time, and, and this, is, this is one of the benefits of, of a very patient spouse, I've learned over time that not every problem needs to be solved. They just need to be listened to. Uh, it's interesting. There's a new book out by Kate Murphy, and it's called You're Not Listening. <laughs> yeah. But the concept of closeness communication bias is that it's often the people that are the closest to us in our life who are the weakest listeners because they know us so well, they think they know what we're already going to say. Exactly. It's interesting. And then they stop listening. If I'm thinking of myself as not a terribly innovative person, Mm -hmm. what are tricks that you have for starting to exercise that innovation muscle, things that I could start doing Monday if I wanted? So there's a great tool um, and an exercise you can use that applies anywhere in life. I'm actually writing a book on this topic right now. Fantastic. And it's around this concept of orthodoxies, which is essentially, orthodoxies are nothing more than a fancy consulting word for, well, that's the way we do things here, or that's the way I do things. That's just Mm -hmm. what we believe. And it's a generally held belief that may or may not actually be rooted in reality. And it's important because we don't even see them around us. But once you start to notice and once you develop an eye for it, which this, this tool will help you do, mm. you start to see them everywhere. And it actually helps you then to pivot into innovating and making things better, whether it's in your school, in your Cub Scout troop, in your home, with you know whatever you do, it just changes the way you do things because it, it gets you to recognize almost those unconscious behaviors that are all around, right? Yeah. So the tool is actually very simple. It's if you've ever done a Mad Lib, which I think most people here still remember them, the question is a very simple one that just says, what are 10 things that blank would never say about blank? So in this case, it might be, what are 10 things that I would never say about uh, the PTA? So then you say, okay, well, and the reason why you say things I wouldn't say, because what you want to identify uh-huh. is behaviors you won't have. And then you ask the question, the why. Well, why wouldn't I say that? You had a very fun orthodoxy example around the hotel minibar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that would really resonate with a lot of listeners. remember that one. <laughs> oh, I do. It's, it's so vivid, and I think listeners will have a lot of this in common because we've all stayed in hotels before. And that that orthodoxy was, I would never say blank yeah. about blank, is I would never say that a hotel minibar is a good value. 
Correct. I would never say a hotel mini bar is the freshest food. I would never say a hotel mini bar always charges me accurately. And now you're getting to the problem, right? So yeah. the, the underlying problem was the mini bar was actually solving an actual problem, which is that you get there, you need a snack. And back in the old day, you didn't want to have to walk to, assuming there was a convenience store available in the 70s or 80s or 60s um, nearby, you didn't uh-huh. want to go there at 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock at night, right? So they created this thing to solve a problem and make it actually convenient for the customer. But over time, it became a stealth profit margin place for the business <laughs> and less about convenience to the customer. Yeah. And, and ultimately, it ended up becoming a cost to the business and three different kinds of costs, which they had not really thought through, right? There's a capital cost, you know, build a hotel, 500 rooms, 500 mini bars, an operating cost. Now somebody has to check it every single day, mm. unless you get one of those more advanced ones that has little sensors in it, which, you know, we love those, right? Because you just touch something and you're charged for it. And then so the worst cost, though, and this is the real cost, was the customer cost. Because yeah. I don't know about you, Donna, but, but I, there have been countless times where I have stayed at a hotel and then I got my bill in the morning and I had a meeting scheduled and I was ready to just walk straight out the door and have my bag with me. And I pick up my bill from under the door and it's got a charge on it from the mini bar for something I did not take. Yes. Which then leads to either, okay, I'm going to expense this thing because I don't have time because I have to get to a meeting or I'm going to go down to the front desk talk to that front desk agent who, of course, gives you a little bit of that, yeah, sure you didn't take it, Mr. Ali, right? You know, they don't <laughs> say it, but yeah. it makes you feel like you did something wrong when you didn't. Right. And that eats away customer value. So we have been talking specifically about innovation. Are there any other one or two last tips that you have for anyone, even on a broader yeah. topic about how to build a me-sweet mindset? Yeah, I'll give you a great quote from a fantastic book that I read uh, this past year. Okay. So, Adam Grant wrote the book Originals. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. Great. Um, there was a quote in there that he, he put in there, which I think is true for innovation, whether you're doing it in an organization and you think you're working on the, the next big thing, if it's in your personal life, if you think you're breaking orthodoxy, whatever, it applies everywhere. Argue like you're right, listen like you're wrong. I love it. So, Shubber, I hope that you will come back onto the Me Sweet podcast when your book is ready. I would be happy to if you are willing to have me. I would would be delighted. And thank you for sharing your perspective. I think you always make something very fluffy feel extremely real. And I think the listeners are very privileged to have a little bit of time with you today. Thank you. Shabar Ali, everybody. Thank you, everyone. And I'm privileged to have you spend your time listening to me talk. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. Sweet like executive suite. That's the-me-suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.